When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. New way to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show here on a Sunday fun day recap of week five. We're talking about all the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon action. And there was a lot of it that we have to discuss, as there always is when we have to do this show. But first and foremost, I want to say thank you for tuning in live to our YouTube channel and checking us out on BillyUp.TV. If you ever miss an episode, that's okay. Just download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Roku, Samsung, or your Amazon Fire TV devices 
And you can always catch our episodes under the Belly Up Sports TV category or just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app because we're widely available. And please give us a five-star review because it greatly helps out the show and it helps us be able to help you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We got a lot to talk about in week five. There was a lot of different things coming out of it. And now that we're finally a little more than one quarter of the season in, this is where the data sample sizes become a little bit more stable and we're able to sink our teeth into a little bit more information and easily or at least more easily predict what we think is going to happen week in and week out moving forward. Just it makes fantasy football that much more attainable for people who are mostly paying attention like you guys are watching this show or listening to this show. And I'm here to try to help you out to get that advantage because we're, we're gearing up starting next week to get ready for our bye week. So even if you're not dealing with injury, now you're going to have players out because, well, there's going to be missing a week here or there. This is where you have to be vigilant. This is where I was telling you guys before, like if you weren't off to a great start, that's okay. If you continue to be vigilant, vil- I can't even speak today. If you can continue to be detailed oriented, let's just say it that way, since I can't seem to find the words tonight. If you can do that and stay on top of your game, look for trades, look for your waiver wire, pay attention to the details of the upcoming weeks. Look at your schedule, get two or three weeks ahead of yourself a little bit. Start planning how you're going to replace those players coming up on those bye weeks with good suitable replacements you will get that much of an advantage over your opponents and you can go on a run. So you didn't start off well, you can still get on a stretch run here. It's not too late, no matter what your record is going to be. Now, next week, that's when we're going to start weeding out some teams that if you haven't really gotten a win yet or something like that, then it becomes a real issue. But right now, no matter what your record is, I don't care if it's 0-5 or if it's 5-0, and you are still in this thing because you have the bye weeks coming up, and it's going to be about you being a smarter manager than the rest of your league mates. And that's what we're going to be here to help you do. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this thing, because we got a lot to to break down. Let's start off with our quarterback thumpers of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Oh, man. Oh, man. Josh Allen did not disappoint so, you know, he was going off the first couple of weeks. The last two weeks, he was like, eh, he's still good. Still Josh Allen, but he wasn't he wasn't lighting it up. He wasn't single-handedly winning you weeks. I know that sounds like such a ridiculous standard to have, but that's the standard we have come to have for a guy like a Josh Allen when he can run and pass in that offense the way that he can. And he showed up here in a big way, dropping over 400 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, and still tacks on. 42 rushing yards, just to add a little cherry on top. Josh Allen, our number one thumper on the week. Our number two thumper at the quarterback position was Jalen Hurts. 239 yards through the air, not as big as passing day. But man, oh man, he had a lot of quarterback sneaks in this game, and two of them wound up going for rushing touchdowns and also tacks on 61 yards on the ground. This is why Jalen Hurts is going to remain a top three fantasy football quarterback for the rest of the year. Not only do they have the weapons for him to be effective in the passing game like he was unable to be last season, but now he's not he's not regressing at all in his touchdown count like we thought maybe he would. 
He had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. That's an astronomical number for a quarterback position. We thought, all right, look, probably get some regression, maybe seven, maybe eight, kind of on the high point there. And no, he looks like he's well on his way to getting double-digit rushing touchdowns again because once they get it to one-yard line, they're not thinking about giving it to the running back. They're literally just lining up in their quarterback sneak formation and just punching it in over and over and over again. And it's working. It's working big time for Jalen Hurts. Our number three guy, and we'll got to talk about him a little bit more when we get into the second segment of the extra credit game notes of the week. But Geno Smith coming in with 268 yards, three passing touchdowns against a decent defense. And this is what we wanted to see. What happens now they've opened it up for Geno Smith, quote unquote. What happens when you actually play a decent defense? What does it mean then? And he came through for you in a big way. And now Geno Smith is somebody we're going to have to talk about hanging around that low-end QB1, high-end QB2 territory on a week-in, week-out basis with the way he's played the last three weeks. It cannot be ignored. That does it for our quarterback thumpers. What about our bummers? Quarterback bummers. Okay. So Jared Goff was supposed to be in that same conversation as Geno Smith with the, you know, you're becoming a low-end QB1 that we no longer can ignore. And we're talking about you as maybe a guy that we're streaming every week to a guy that we maybe have to start every week. And then Jared Goff played the New England Patriots in New England, only puts up 229 yards and throws a pick. No touchdowns this time around. Even had St. Brown healthy, although wasn't really a big help. Didn't play overly much in this game. We're going to have more to talk about for this matchup later on in the show. But Jared Goff might be somebody that we still have to talk about as a matchup-based flex or matchup-based streaming option rather than a guy that we're banking on now being a low-end QB1, even though that's what his season performance to this point has been. Our number two bummer of the week was Russell Wilson. How could it not be? So after he has a decent game against the Raiders, you're like, okay, I can still play Russ as a top 12 QB1. You know, this is what you draft him to be. You probably weren't trying to pick up other options. But now after that week against the Colts, we have to talk about Russ Wilson as a massive dependent quarterback who's in that QB2 territory where it's not a given that you play him every single week. There might be better options that you need to go with on the waiver wire over a Russ Wilson. 274 yards, two interceptions, only 22 yards on the ground, and an offense that looks completely 100% horrendous in almost every form and fashion. It comes down to Nathaniel Hackett, and then it comes down to Russell Wilson as the big issues here. Our number three bummer, and this is going to be a, a, a zero call for me on the week when we get to tomorrow night's primetime recap, Heroes and Zeros and Waiver Saviors show. But Trevor Lawrence did not come through in what should have been a smash matchup against the Houston Texans, a guy who had been playing a lot better as of late, and it did not seem to show here. 286 yards through the air, two interceptions, 29 through the on the ground, and it was against the Houston Texans. Trevor Lawrence had been looking a lot better to this point. I was not worried about his performance last week because it was against a top NFL defense like the Philadelphia Eagles, and it was in a storm. This was neither of those things. Not to say that Trevor Lawrence still doesn't belong in the streaming territory at the quarterback position, because I still think he does. But it was just a huge disappointment in this game here. That does it for our quarterbacks. Let's talk about our running back thumpers of the week. Running back thumpers. 
This is Sparta! Number one on our list, and if you are panicking the first three weeks, there's no reason to panic any longer. Austin Eckler goes off for the second week in a row. 173 on the ground, picks up a rushing touchdown, 26 to the air, and picks up another receiving touchdown to tack on at that. Austin Eckler was tremendous. There seems to be a rotation breaking down now with the Chargers that we think we can pinpoint Moving forward, more on that later. But you are happy about Austin Eckler. You're happy if you didn't sell him high or sell him low, I should say. And you're also happy that now we're back to having him as an RB1 the rest of the way. How about our number two thumper of the week, Leonard Fournette. So yeah, Rashad White is part of the game plan, but that's okay. Leonard Fournette showing you why he's still a low-end RB1 because he still gets involved on the ground and through the air. And that's still a lot more than a lot of other running backs can say out there. And as he promised us a few weeks ago, he is now scoring touchdowns. He has 56 yards on the ground today, picks up a rushing touchdown, gets 10 receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown. So what this tells you is that he doesn't have to worry about Rashad White ever pigeonholing him. That's never going to happen to Leonard Fournette. He's going to be involved in both the rushing and the receiving game, and therefore, you love him moving forward, and you loved him in this game. Our last, but certainly not least, running back thumper of the week was Brees Hall. Picks up 97 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. He takes two receptions for 100 receiving yards. How impressive was that? Brees Hall time has come. You are firing him up every single week. The Jets offense has changed since Zach Wilson has taken over, something I said that was likely to happen, by the way. And Brees Hall is the big payout as a result to that offense changing its philosophy. But let's, unfortunately, we have some running back bummers that we just have to talk about. Running back bummers. Oh, boy. Our number one bummer on the week was Cam Akers, 33 yards on the ground, and that was it. And it wasn't even the normal split with Darrell Henderson that he typically has. He played well in front. They were trying to get him going. They want to play action to work. It's not all on him. That offensive line is horrendous. But Cam Akers, he's in no man's land because you can't bench him. He's technically a starting running back in the NFL. You can't bench that for fan. Or I'm sorry, you can't drop that. You can definitely bench it, but you can't drop that for fantasy football purposes. But you can't start him either because it's been so bad. It's been so horrendous. There's only a certain matchup right now in which I would even contemplate starting a Cam Akers moving forward, and that's a porous run defense in a game in which the Rams should have a positive game script. And you know what? Right now, that's not looking like it's necessarily going to be a common theme throughout this season. So that's what we have to keep in mind now moving forward, and that's what makes Cam Akers our number one bummer of the week. Well, let's talk about our number two bummer. So Devin Singletary is our number two running back bummer. 42 yards on the ground, one catch for four yards. Started getting excited. I was like, look, I was telling a lot of people, buy low on this guy because the usage is heading his way in a way in which he had last season when he became an RB1 and a league winner for a lot of people out there. So I thought maybe it would be coming. The Pittsburgh Steelers, pretty good matchup on paper. But Josh Allen dominated this game so much that, frankly, they just didn't need to use the running backs. And then they wound up pulling their starters in the fourth quarter because this game was just well out of hand. Better days are ahead for Kevin Singletary. But in the meantime, this was a disappointing performance here for you. 
and Jamal Williams. Only 56 yards on the ground in a game in which they lost 29 to nothing. Jamal Williams, who had been pretty involved in the passing game up until this point, did not receive a single target. This game from top to bottom for the Detroit Lions was a complete disaster. Likely, more likely at least, should be a throwaway game at the end of the day. But for this week, Jamal Williams, who a lot of people had him as a must-start, including myself, just did not pave the way of what you're hoping for today. Let's talk about our wide receiver thumpers. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! So Gabe Davis decided he was going to take three receptions and turn into 171 yards and two touchdowns on just six targets today. What a tremendous way to be like, yeah, I'm here. I'm a big-time player. I'm back on your fantasy radar, baby. I locked him in as a top 24 wide receiver, so I was locking him in as a start. And I told you guys all of that on Thursday, I believe, or no, on Wednesday we had that when I told you guys lock him in. Gabriel Davis is the guy you want to have in your lineup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially when the news came down th- today on Sunday that Isaiah McKenzie was going to be out due to concussion protocol. So really paved the way. And right off the bat, the first drive, he takes a one from 98. You're not going to get ones longer than that. 98 yards to the house. Just ran past the defense. Look, there's some things we got to talk about with Gabriel Davis moving forward, but he came out and showed out in a big way if you kept the faith with Gabe Davis. How about Justin Jefferson, though? A stud receiver doing studly things when you need your stud to be a stud. That's right. Jefferson is our number two thumper of the week. Just had a huge game. Carved up the Chicago Bears from start to finish. 12 catches, 154 yards on 13 targets. He's had two really great back-to-back weeks now, making up for the dip that we saw for a couple of weeks inexplicably. Justin Jefferson will be fine the rest of the way. But our number three thumper is an interesting name. Tyler Lockett coming in. Five catches, 104 yards. Gets two touchdowns here today. Just lit it up. We knew that Lockett had the better matchup because Marshawn Lattimore was going to be on DK Metcalf for the majority of this game, and he was. But Tyler, and Tyler Lockett would be the safe floor player. But the question was, you know, we don't know exactly how good the Seattle offense can be against what is supposed to be a pretty decent defense. Now, I know the Saints haven't really played as well as we would have expected them to so far to start this season, but this still is not some schlubs out there. This is not a bottom-tier defense. This is a top-15 squad. And to see Tyler Lockett now three weeks in a row, not just put up solid numbers, but a great number here today with the two touchdowns, him and DK Metcalf, we'll talk about later in the show, but Tyler Lockett is going to be a guy you want in your lineups moving forward. Unfortunately, we do have some bummers. Wide receiver bummers. So Elijah Moore comes in our number one bummer. Now I had him outside my top 36, but that doesn't change the fact that people probably still use him in their flex position, depending upon their circumstances. And I had him just at 38. So I did have him in a spot where that conversation could certainly and legitimately be had, but now only four targets for one reception, 11 yards. And we have to sit there and say, look, Elijah Moore can't be played, and I'm not ready to drop him just yet, but a couple more of these type of performances, and we might have to think about it depending upon what your situation is going to be, especially with the bye weeks moving in. Not looking great for Elijah Moore, not just this week, but in the future. How about Zay Jones? So he comes back his first week off of injury, 
And we were hoping, you know, Zay Jones has been a guy that we started picking up. He was a popular player, a guy we felt like, especially in full point PPR leagues, you could play him in the flex and wind out some pretty good points. And I think that will be true moving forward. But for this game against Houston, again, just adding to the disappointment that was the Jacksonville offense, he had eight targets. So you like that number, but only three catches for 12 yards. If you're excited to play Zay Jones as your wide receiver three or as your flex play, it just didn't work out the way you were hoping to today. And our number three bummer of the week is Jalen Waddle. Because this is a guy that everyone, if you had Waddle, you were starting him in your lives. No doubt about it. With only three catches, though, for 23 yards and three targets. The Dolphins situation, you know, it's kind of out of his hands. He was going into this game not 100% to begin with, dealing with the groin injury. We already knew that with Teddy Bridgewater, it was likely that he would lock into Tyreek Hill. And Jalen Waddle would probably, in order to have a big fantasy day, have to bust one out. And that just didn't really happen here. And then it got compounded by the fact that Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out due to his concussion injury. And then Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, had to come in and play QB the rest of the day. We'll have to wait and see Tyreek Hill to get banged up. But for now, Jalen Waddle was just not what you were hoping for this week. Let's wrap this segment up with the tight end. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! So Taysom Hill, what a curious case, and we're going to have a lot to say about him on the other side of the show. 22 passing yards for a passing touchdown, and then has 112 yards rushing with three touchdowns. If you had the balls to play Taysom Hill, I applaud you in a really, really, really big way. You deserve that applause if you actually play Taysom Hill at your tight end position. Look, we know that, yes, there is a role for Taysom Hill within this offense. And because he is listed as a tight end in every single fantasy football platform, he does become a bit intriguing because when you know he gets involved, it's usually in money situations when it's time to score. And so he has potential like this. The usage is still wacky. He only he doesn't get actually targeted at all when he does play the tight end position, not in the least. But you're just waiting for when they get in, do they go to their Taysom Hill red zone offense? And that's what you're looking at here. The idea of streaming Taysom Hill has to be a real one. We'll have a more of a conversation about that in a second. But for now, Taysom Hill is going to probably, we still have a couple more games to be played here as of having this show, but probably it's going to go down as the number one tight end on the week. And one of the top fantasy football players at that too. Our number two thumper for the Sunday afternoon Thursday night game is Dallas Goddard. He had eight catches for 95 yards and nine targets. They just kept feeding the ball. And the Eagles have been doing this thing pretty commonly now where they run a lot of these tight end bubble screens to Dallas Goddard. It's a nice cheap way for him to get points, for him to stay involved in the offense. And if you have Dallas Goddard, you have to feel pretty good about that. I wouldn't expect this type of performance every single week, but it just goes to reassure that even with Devonta Smith, even with A.J. Brown, there's still enough room for Dallas Goddard to continue being a tight end one for you each week moving forward. And then David Njoku. So I want to save some of my analysis for the next segment when we talk about our our extra credit game notes about David Njoku because there's some interesting things here I want to bring up. But six targets, six catches, 88 yards. Yeah, that's not a performance on paper. That's awesome. But the tight ends for Thursday night and Sunday afternoon were nearly non-existent. So they winds up being our number three thumper for week five. Let's get into our bummers. Tight end bummers. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. 
Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. So TJ Hawkinson went from being our number one thumper last week to our number one bummer this week. Unfortunately, only one catch for six yards on four targets. Yeah, maybe he's not 100% going into that game. Yes, the whole entire Detroit offense was banged up. But when St. Brown didn't really play as much, for TJ Hawkinson to just not be able to get involved after his big week last week, it's just hard not to feel Quite disappointed by that at the end of the day. So Hawkinson, just our number one bummer of the week. Our number two, unfortunately, was also Pat Freermuth. Now, there was a lot of things working against him heading into this game anyway. It was a change at quarterback. He's playing as the Buffalo Bills, which is no friend to the tight end position for fantasy football purposes. And he got a little bit banged up himself, too. He only had two targets for two catches and 12 yards. Better days will be ahead. Freermuth still has to be plugged and played each week as a top 10 tight end. It was just a rough day for him here. Our number three guy is George Kittle. Now, there is some positive with George Kittle. This is probably the most he's been involved in the offense with six targets, five receptions, and 47 yards. But when you have George Kittle, you draft him to be an elite guy, and now that he's back, he still just hasn't had a really good George Kittle game to really be able to compensate you for the draft capital that you spent on him to this point. I think things will get better, but it's still kind of rough with George Kittle right now after that. That's it for our thumpers and bummers of each position. Here's what I want to do now. I'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I want to go through our extra credit game notes of the week. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. 
Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you can catch all of our content there. Check us out on bellyup.tv live anytime as well. Or download the Foxy Network app and find us on demand when you download it on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. We're widely available to you. Please give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, with the Sunday Fun Day recap of Week 5. where we cover the Thursday night and all the Sunday afternoon games. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow night for the primetime recap, the Heroes and Zeros, and the Waiver Saviors heading into week six at every night at 10 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. All right, so let's go ahead and not waste any time here because there's a lot to talk about and dive into our extra credit game notes. I know, I know, I know. What do we know? We know about the Colts and the Denver game that that was an awful game and they suck and we don't want to see that game ever again. That's what we know about that game. Now, I got more notes than that, but that was just that was hard to watch. And the fact that that game had to go to overtime, just it really wanted me to pluck my eyeballs out, quite frankly. And I'm glad that we do shows at 10 o'clock on Thursday. So when it is a bad show like that, I don't have to sit there and watch the whole thing, although Admittedly, I still have to go back on Friday and rewatch the games just to make sure my analysis is on point moving forward. And that was still very, very brutal. Even watching the condensed version to speed it along. But let's get into the Colts. So, first of all, without Jonathan Taylor, it was what we expected. Although, of course, we didn't get a perfect data sample size because Naeem Hines got knocked out right away in the first series, which was very, very unfortunate. But in his placement and Taylor's placement, it was a committee with Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay. And I believe that it would have been a committee even if Naeem Hines was available too. I just don't know what the extent would have been with a Deion Jackson and Philip Lindsay. Would have both of them seen double-digit carries? Most likely no. But it was a committee approach. There's not a one-for-one handcuff with Jonathan Taylor not around. Perhaps he'll be back next week. We'll keep you up to date on that on social media at Show. Alec Pierce officially takes over as the number two wide receiver. He pretty much was already in a lot of our minds, but the difference was he still wasn't playing ahead of Paris Campbell here. The second half came along. They actually just went to Pierce. He had a nice mismatch, and they felt confident with him. He produced when they went to him with the ball, and it's a pretty good chance now from this point on we're going to see Alec Pierce well ahead of Paris Campbell with him and Michael Pittman 
as the two top receivers. Speaking of Pittman, better days are ahead. He actually had a really nice first half, four catches, 55 yards. We kind of thought, well, despite of the matchup, it looks like Pittman's still going to wind up finding his way to having a decent day. But then Ronald Darby got hurt, and that's what led to Alec Pierce having the mismatch, and that's what they decided to exploit. And then Pittman didn't have a single catch until he got one catch for four yards in overtime. Tough day, but better days will be ahead for Michael Pittman. He's still the alpha of this team, still the number one guy. I'm not worried about his overall production. In fact, I go the other way and say, maybe you can buy low on him after a couple of games that were disappointments to the Pittman owners, depending upon what their records are, what their situations are, might be worth looking into. What about on the Denver side? So I just found myself when I'm watching this game asking the question of, does Russell Wilson have the yips? When Al Michaels and Kurt Herbstreit in the broadcast are just ripping him apart, and, and Herbstreit in particular, just pointing out left and right the open wide receivers that Russ is just blatantly not seeing across the field, it's awful. It's really bad. I don't know if there's a quick fix, and I can't say with any kind of confidence whatsoever that it even does get fixed this season. That's the position we're in. I'm not dropping Russell Wilson yet, but we cannot consider him a top-12 quarterback right now unless the matchup dictates it as so, which then makes him kind of in the category of the streaming quarterbacks. And if he's in the category of a streaming quarterback, well, then by default, he's a guy who's on the droppable section of your roster. That's where we're at now with Russell Wilson because it's just not, does not look like it's getting better anytime soon. The good news for Cortland Sutton owners is this. Despite the fact this offense looks terrible and Russell Wilson does not look anything close to himself, Cortland Sutton still finds a way to have a decent floor. No, it wasn't a huge game this week, but still had 11 targets and five catches for 74 yards. He scored last week. Sutton has been very consistent so far through the first five weeks of the season with his floor play at the very least, and he's still able to get touchdowns, and he's able to still get 100 yards. So the good news here is that despite the fact that Russ Wilson has been awful, Cortland Sutton is able to still do his thing. And Jerry Judy should have had a much better game. Yes, he finished with eight targets, three catches, and 53 yards, but he had a couple of plays where he was open, should have had a big touchdown at the end of the game, didn't wind up going his way. I am not concerned about Jerry Judy, especially as a high-end wide receiver three for most of the season. The other question, of course, we had to have was Melvin Gordon. And he, kind of like Horton Sutton, you have to take some confidence in moving forward because he was able to have a solid game despite this terrible, terrible offensive night. Goes over 100 yards from scrimmage. Mike Boone only played about a third of the time. So this was very much... Melvin Gordon's backfield, and as long as he's healthy, I'm considering him a high-end RB2 who's getting tremendous work in both the rushing and the receiving game. But let's start with a game that was actually a good game, but surprising to me, make my eyes wide in a lot of ways, and that was Giants versus the Packers in the London game on Sunday. My Giant notes are very, very simple. Saquon Barkley is the reincarnation of Superman, or the real-life version of Superman, however you want to take that sentence. Tax on a touchdown, gets 70 yards on the ground, gets 36 yards through the air, was absolutely tremendous in this game. He's putting the whole team on his back. The whole offense flows through him, and the Giants still managed to win these games. I don't know how, but they did. He missed one series with a shoulder injury, came back in, and that's when he actually scored a touchdown. So you're not worried about Saquon Barkley at all. 
right now from a health perspective as far as that goes. In his place, there was a bit of a split between Breda and Brightwell going on. By the way, if something does happen to Barkley this season, that's what I would expect. I don't expect a one-for-one handcuff with Matt Breda. I expect it to be a committee between those two players. And if that happens, frankly, I don't know if there will be a fantasy-relevant player on the Giants at all. I'll give a quick shout-out to Darius Slayton because we've been waiting for a receiver to look like he at least has a pulse in the Giants' locker room. And Darius Slayton came out and had seven targets, six catches, and 79 yards. No, he's not on my radar in the waiver saviors for tomorrow. He's not on my radar really for fantasy football purposes at all. It was just I felt the need to give a shout-out to a player on a team that has had no wide receivers of any note whatsoever before this week. Let's jump on the other side of the Green Bay Packers game. So, yes, Randall Cobb, you look at the box score. If you didn't watch the game, it was too early for you, whatever the case may have been. Yes, 13 targets, 7 catches, 99 yards. Before you start to freak out about Romeo Dobbs or Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb is still the third receiver. Those two guys still played ahead of him, still ran more routes. This is probably going to go down as Cobb's best game of the year. It's a farce. You don't want to get swept up in it. The Randall Cobb days are over. We've seen the last couple of years, he can have one or two games a year where he actually looks serviceable. People get excited, like, oh, maybe the the old Randall Cobb is back magically somehow, and they jump in on the bandwagon. This is a farce. Do not follow this path. Let someone else make this mistake with Randall Cobb. Mentioned Dobbs. He was third in targets, but look, he still was out there as the number two receiver. There's still confidence there. He's still trending the right direction. Christian Watson picks up a hamstring injury, so it just kind of refocuses Romeo Dobbs having that role next to Alan Lazard. He's still a wide receiver three in my books. Moving forward for the rest of the season, I'm not coming off of that. I'm not afraid of Randall Cobb. The Packers in general in this game, especially in the second half, got away from their identity, and their identity is not Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 39 times in a matchup. That's not what it is. It's the running game. It's the running game and working off a of play action through the running game. The fact that they were up in the first half and we're never without, you know, we're never down until the very end of this game and it was never within more than a possession. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon combined for only 19 carries against a porous run defense with the Giants. Look, I don't buy into their secondary, and I know this game doesn't make me look good when I said that, but I'm still not going to buy into it. The one thing, though, that even on paper the Giants are bad at is stopping the run. But the Packers didn't come out. I mean, look, they were efficient. Jones was 4.8 yards carry. A.J. Dillon was 5.7 yards carry. They were efficient with their touches. It's not like they were getting stuffed at the line and the Packers needed to do something else. It just looked like that they came in with the idea that Aaron Rodgers was just going to be doing Aaron Rodgers things, and that's what they wanted to do this week. That's not what their identity is. That's not how this offense flows at its best, and we need to see them get back on track next week. That's why I think there's better days ahead for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but it was a bit disappointing, especially when you had the Giants on the schedule this past week. Enough of that game, though. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it was a total blowout. The Bills obviously were worthy of the 14-point spread coming into the game that Vegas had them out. And we talked about it on Friday. We're like, look, yeah, the Bills should beat them by at least two touchdowns. This game was never even close. They were met, The Steelers were just outmatched in every form or fashion. But here's the notes that I do have. 
even in this game, which was a total blowout, Kenny Pickett was still better than anything we had seen from Mitchell Trubisky so far this season. Goes 34 for 52, 327 yards. Doesn't get a touchdown. He does throw a pick. But honestly, that's more life on offense than they had had previous to. They can't figure out a way to run the ball. Their offensive line is awful. And Najee Harris has to be somebody who's considered a low-end RB2 who might be even matchup dependent at that. The offensive line is so bad, and because he's not an elusive speedster game-breaker to begin with, it's just setting up terrible. And then he doesn't get involved in the passing game. I mean, the four targets he had today is actually more than he, more involvement in the passing game than he's had in the last few weeks. That's the issue. Look, with Harris, we always knew it was volume. That's what we were looking for. If he's not going to get the all-around volume, both the rushing and the receiving, we got a problem on our hands. Now, I wouldn't get too wrapped up in what was going on with Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren winds up technically outplaying Najee Harris by one snap in this game and was on the field quite a bit, was more effective than Najee Harris was. Is this something to watch? Maybe, but I'm not buying into the idea that suddenly this is now a two-way committee. This game got out of hand quickly. There's no reason for a guy like Najee Harris, who's already been kind of nicked up the beginning of the season, to leave him out there. There was none whatsoever. I think it had more to do with that and what happened in this game than the idea that Jalen Warren is now going to be somehow a two-split committee with Najee Harris moving forward. So just kind of keep that in mind. He's still very much a handcuff. And if you have Najee Harris, you still very much want to own Jalen Warren because he has shown a little bit of juice here and there. But regardless, I don't want to play a Pittsburgh Steeler running back unless the matchup dictates it so because the offensive line is so bad, there's just no holes to be had until we're shown differently uh, as far as my other notes though Deontay Johnson was still the number one receiver it looked like a Deontay Johnson stat line that we've been looking at all year long 13 targets you love that five catches for 60 yards with zero touchdowns and it's just like uh, it's so mediocre but the targets are there we know Deontay Johnson's talent hopefully Kenny Bickett can get better and of course the matchups not every week are going to be against the Buffalo Bills which you know plays a big part in all of this I think if you have Deontay Johnson, the thing that you, the solace you take, the silver lining you take coming out of this week is that he had 13 targets. It wasn't an automatic. Kenny Pickett is in. Now George Pickens becomes the number one wide receiver. It was Deontay. But having said that, Pickens, while he had one less target than Claypool and still played third most as far as receivers go, the rotation didn't really change. There's definitely a better chemistry with Pickens than there is with Claypool, who had nine targets, five catches, and 50 yards in this matchup. Pickens goes for six for 83 on those eight targets. There's more shots for him down the field. Kenny Pickett is willing to take those shots. I still think George Pickens overchased Claypool, and he could be quickly becoming a boom or bust wide receiver three, I think, in future. Right now, he's still just a wide receiver four in my book, who you play if you don't have a better option, but I can see him increasing to a wide receiver three before too long. Uh, on the Buffalo Bills side, my notes are, of course, Gabe Davis goes bananas, but I do want to throw a caveat in there. The thing that's been kind of frustrating about Gabe Davis so far this season, other than having to deal with the injury, is that he's not getting more than six targets in a game, and he didn't in this one. He still only got six targets in this matchup. Now, what you take is that, well, he still produced a hell of a lot on those six targets, obviously, if you have him and you're not complaining, and also... He practiced in full this week, and you could see that he was definitely more healthy than he had been the past couple of weeks. His explosion was back as he was routinely getting behind defenses. 
you still want to see that target share go up before we're ready to be like Gabe Davis is a wide receiver too every single week like we think he should and want him to be. So that's something we still have to watch. But with this offense, with the way they sling the ball, he's always going to be that guy that you just want in your lineup because he can have monster days like this where he just wins you the week on his own. Stephon Diggs was still very good. Of course, Josh Allen was. The other note that I have here, though, that I want to talk about is Devin Singletary. So he led the way. He still dominated the snap count, still dominated every category, the passing work, everything left and right. But he just kind of got left out. The Bills got up so big so early that they didn't go to Singletary in the second half. They just kind of went to the backups in general. That's why James Cook got some run. James Cook and Zach Moss, by the way, from a snap count percentage, played about the same amount, but you will see James Cook had a better stat line on the box score. He's a much better player than Zach Moss. My only question would be, like, if Singletary gets hurt, I still don't think we get to see James Cook just be the guy because the problem is that he's still not a great pass protector, and that's the whole reason why Zach Moss gets the playing time that he does, quite frankly. So I still think it would be a committee approach if Devin Singletary would be out of the way, but James Cook would become very intriguing because he can hit big plays like he did today on his 24-yard touchdown run. You can see that. You can see that in his talent. Devin Singletary, better days are ahead for him. I'm not worried about this. I'm not regretting you know, trying to go out and buy low on him. I still would. In fact, all this did in my mind was open up your window to buy low on him just a little bit longer because, again, the usage is there that reflects what he did last season. You don't want to miss out on that. This is just a game that the Bills just totally smashed in, and you know what? As a result, sometimes some guys just get left out in those scenarios. Let's move on, though, to the Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. So the Chargers find a way on the road to pull this game out and win by two points. Austin Eckler, we mentioned him during the thumper process. He was absolutely tremendous, and he is back, baby. Justin Herbert, on the other hand, was a little disappointing. Now, part of that is Austin Eckler just dominating the way that he did, and we're not worried about Herbert, obviously, moving forward. But what we did confirm is that when Keenan Allen's out, Mike Williams is definitely that number one wide receiver. He gets 13 targets, 10 receptions, and 134 yards in this matchup. He is finding him. He is looking for him. He's clearly the head cut guy, which brings me to my second, our third note of Palmer. Josh Palmer is still a streamer in place of Keenan Allen when he misses games. Now, I know this is two weeks in a row now where Palmer basically gets you 24 yards and doesn't do a hell of a lot, and I get it. But he's still the second most in targets. He's still the second most in snaps. Still the second most in routes run. He's out there on the field. And we knew going into this matchup, he wasn't 100% healthy. So there was that risk where maybe he wouldn't be as explosive. How involved would he necessarily get? This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, 
and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. He's still, in my mind, a wide receiver three play any week that Kean Allen is not in there with this quarterback and this offense. So I'm not worried about it from that standpoint. Let's switch over to the Cleveland Browns. So Kareem Hunt, I've been talking him. I talk about him all week long because so many people were disappointed because the last three weeks in a row, it really had been mediocre because he doesn't get the touchdowns that Nick Chubb gets. And when he doesn't get the touchdowns that Nick Chubb gets, he's not necessarily putting up huge stat lines, but I kept pointing this out. He continues to get double-digit touches. Typically speaking, about 14, 15 touches in a game. He got about 14 opportunities in this one, and he was able to pick up a rushing touchdown, which makes him the RB, makes him an RB2. This is what Kareem Hunt is. This is why you should be playing him more times than not. He's one of the few, quote-unquote, backup running backs you're ever going to find that still need to be in your lineup. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Nick Chubb going for 17 carries because he didn't quite make the thumper list because there's a lot of good running backs this week. But 17 carries, 134 yards on the ground, and two more touchdowns. The guy is just on freaking real. And it doesn't seem to matter what anybody does. They can't take him away. They put eight, nine guys in a box. The Chargers were doing it all night long. It does not matter. That offensive line is paving the way, and Nick Chubb is just making people miss and running them over. This does not look like it's going to stop any time soon. My last note for the Cleveland Browns is this. David Njoku answers my last question of, okay, what happens? What what are we seeing? Is he truly a top 10 tight end moving forward or a top 12 guy at the very least, a back-end tight end one and should be in your lineups every single week? The answer to that question for me now is officially yes, because now he's checked off all my boxes. I said before, the first, first game, they finally got him going. I said, well, guess who wasn't on the box score? Harrison Bryant. Now, he was out there. He was playing, but they didn't target Harrison Bryant at all that game. was something that was unusual. What happened in week four? Well, Harrison Bryant got back to being involved. He was in the box score. Njoku still went off, which was good to see. But Amari Cooper was left out of the offense, something else we would not normally see. This answers the last question. Amari Cooper had a nice game here, 12 targets, 7 catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown, reaffirming why he is a back-end wide receiver two week in and week out, even with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback position. But also, David Njoku had a nice performance which means now we can know, okay, even with Brian out there and Amari Cooper doing his thing, they are now at the point where David Njoku is kind of more or less that second pass catcher in this offense. And that's what's going to make him a top 12 tight end for the rest of the season. Because I don't know, I don't really think that that rotation, that pecking order changes when Deshaun Watson becomes a starting quarterback again in week 12. I don't think that's going to change. Let's move on to our next matchup, though, between the Minnesota Vikings and the Cleveland Brown. Or I'm sorry, the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Excuse me. So Chicago Bears put up more points in this game than I expected them to. But, you know, Justin Fields, he still threw the ball 21 times. That seems to be the max. We just we've been asking for it. It's been five weeks now. His the most pass attempts he's had in a single game was 22. That was last week. This game, he had 21. It's just not enough to really do anything. Not that, you know, Mooney should even be on your minds or frankly should even be on your rosters. Two catches and 52 yards in this game, five targets. We're, we're off of that. What happens is that what we care about is the running back. What happens 
when David Montgomery comes back, when Khalil Herbert's been good in his stead, that's the question we had here. And how healthy was David Montgomery going to look? Well, look, it wasn't efficient. He only had 1.7 yards per carry. All right, 12 carries, 20 yards. He does score. And he's actually the lead receiver with four catches for 62 yards on four targets. The big thing is this. If you're a David Montgomery owner and you missed out on being able to get Khalil Herbert as your handcuff, what you have to feel good about is that this did not turn into a committee. This was David Montgomery's backfield. Herbert went back to being a backup, which is how I expect this to continue to go. So if you have David Montgomery, you take solace in that, knowing that if you don't have Herbert, it's okay. This is still his backfield when he's healthy and out there. On the Minnesota side, Dalvin Cook got going again. I was very happy to see it. Could have had three touchdowns had they not taken him out, but he gets 18 carries, 94 yards, picks up the two touchdowns on the ground. I'm still not thrilled with his involvement in the passing game. Only two targets and two catches on 27 yards. Even when a game in which Kirk Cousins threw the ball 41 times, which was surprising. And that's mostly due to the fact that Chicago was actually able to keep this game pretty close throughout the entire game. Something I wasn't necessarily expecting to see. But that's the part that's kind of disappointing is that Cook still only gets like two targets when Cousins has 41 attempts. So the idea that we thought Dalvin Cook would be this better pass catcher, I don't know that really winds up being the case. The other note that we have to take in consideration with Dalvin Cook right now is Alexander Madison played a significant amount. Now, while he's not huge on the box score in this matchup, he played a lot more than he did last week. And it would stand to reason that Dalvin Cook would be healthier this week than he was last week because there wasn't any reported setbacks. And yet Alexander Madison still played not an alarming amount, but If it increases from here, it could be an alarming amount. So something to kind of keep your eye on. I'm not concerned about it right now. Just something to kind of keep your eye on that I want you guys to be aware of. In case this thing does increase, we might have to think about trying to sell high on Dalvin Cook or accepting that he may be part of a two-man committee if the trend continues. We're not there yet. I can't emphasize that enough. Don't take what I'm saying, panic, and then you know trade him off for a box of rocks. Let's keep it within the realm of reality and just keep our eye on the situation. Speaking of Cousins, though, look, he wasn't terrible. He still wasn't lighting it up. This was a good match against Chicago. He threw the ball more than I expected him to because, again, the, the game script stayed closer for longer than I expected it to. So for Cousins to come in and still spot, you know, go short of 300 yards on 41 pass attempts, he only get one touchdown, does get another interception, too. You know, it was just a little disappointing. Yes, he does pick up the rushing touchdown, which gave him a solid fantasy football performance. It's not like he totally disappointed in this matchup, but we still just haven't seen the light bulb for Cousins go off. And being that it's week five, and he had Kevin O'Connell, who has already had the familiarity there with the Kirk Cousins, it just felt like I was expecting more out of him in this matchup. But that's all the notes I really have for that game. Let's move into Detroit and the New England Patriots. We'll start on the Lions side. So my only really main note is that they disappointed. And my next follow-up to that is home away splits. Home and away splits are a very, very real thing for the Detroit Lions, I believe, at this point. They're a very different team at home. Now, is it being in Detroit or is it being in a dome? I think it's mostly being in a dome. In a situation where they can play fast-paced offense especially not against a well-coached defense that the Patriots are in New England, which they're a tough team back there anyway. Yeah, look, 
This is a terrible game. The Lions, we know, are not this bad. I don't think they're as good as what we've seen. I do think they're playing over their heads a little bit, especially Jared Goff up until this point. But I also don't think they're this bad either. Still not 100%. St. Brown only played 21 snaps. He was like the fourth receiver as far as snap count goes. He wasn't healthy. And it's really unfortunate, too, that they did that to us because there's no reason to play him unless he was pretty close to being healthy. They have the bye week next week. You're still not competing for the playoffs. And then suddenly he practices in a limited capacity on Friday. And like, oh, he's going to suit up and play on Sunday. So you're thinking there to yourself that like, well, he must be pretty close to being healthy then for them to do this seemingly 180 because earlier in the week, we were not expecting St. Brown to play because they have the bye week next week. There's just no reason to rush him back. And then they want to playing him just to, you know, toy with us, I guess, because again, he wasn't anywhere close to 100% healthy because he only played the fourth most snaps out of the wide receiver group. Wraps it up with four catches for 18 yards on six targets. Just disappointed across the board. We talked about Jamal Williams. He's one of our running back bummers of the week. The only guy that was a bright spot, and I don't know how many people even played him because of the news about St. Brown coming back into the lineup today, was Josh Reynolds, who had 10 targets and six catches and 92 yards. Better days are ahead for all of these guys when they come back after their bye week next week and get back in action come week seven. So not much takeaway there, really. Let's go to the Patriots. So there's some things to talk about here. Damian Harris picks up a hamstring injury. As a result, Ramondre Stevenson gets all the work from then on out. Now, if Damian Harris misses time next week, I wouldn't sit here and expect the Patriots to be like, oh, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, 100% of the snaps, buddy. Go ahead and get it. It's not usually what the Patriots do, but I will say he should be the workhorse back. It should be a three-down workhorse situation for Ramondre Stevenson with you know, guys like J.J. Taylor and maybe Pierre Strong or whoever, Kevin Harris maybe even seeing him come in and play. I don't know. We'll see. Ramondre Stevenson, though, if you're an owner of him, you got to like it moving forward. He had a huge game today, 25 carries for 161 yards, tacked on two receptions for 14 yards in the passing game. And remember, Bailey Zappi was the starting quarterback. Mac Jones are saying might have a decent shot to actually play next week. So this offense will get an upgrade with that as well. We'll have to watch that Damian Harris injury throughout the week to know more for sure. Myers, Jacoby Myers, he's back. So when it comes to Jacoby Myers, like I don't know how much I really love him as a guy I want to play every single week outside of a full point PPR league. And full point PPR, especially when Mac Jones is back there, I'm not worried about it. But what this game showed is that he's definitely 100% healthy when he tacks on seven catches for 111 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. Definitely shows that he's healthy. It also makes sure know that uh, Devontae Parker, who did absolutely nothing in this game, Nelson Aguilar got banged up. But Devontae Parker becomes, I think, just irrelevant because if he's not going to get the volume, which is not going to happen when Jacoby Myers is on the field, I don't know what kind of value he actually has. So Myers is the guy that you want moving forward. Still more of a wide receiver four for me in half-point PPR with a safe floor. He scored, he scored in this game. That's not something we know that Myers doesn't do very often. So I'm not buying into that necessarily. I'm not pumping him up. But it does show that he is that option, especially depending upon if you're in full-point PPR leagues or not. And then Hunter Henry, look, Janu Smith was out. They had, you know, they were consolidating down to the tight ends into one position. And look, the numbers have been there for the tight end position as a whole for the Patriots, where if they could consolidate it down to one guy, we would be talking about a low-end tight end one. However... 
Hunter Henry and Janu Smith to this point have been splitting it pretty much 50-50. And as a result, yeah, you don't have a lot to work with. So I expect Janu Smith will probably be back next week or at least have a chance to be back next week. He almost gave it a go. which was just listed as doubtful heading into this week. So I'm not looking at Hunter Henry becoming a thing anytime soon. Let's get to one of the big action games of the week. Seattle Seahawks and the New Orleans Saints. This is one of our shootouts of the week here for the Sunday Fun Day recap. So I talked about it when I named him one of my quarterback thumpers of the week, Geno Smith. And it's time to buy in. I can't fight it anymore. I still think he's overplaying himself of what he actually is. And there's a real chance and more of a probability than anything else. That at some point this season, he will come smack back down to earth. But I think at this point, I can confidently say he's definitely not as bad as what we saw last year or what we thought we have seen from him over his career until this point. I don't think he will be that bad this season at any point. So Geno, Geno Smith, look, this wasn't even a great situation. It was in New Orleans. It's supposed to be a tough defense. They still found ways to score. With these wide receivers, he'll take shots. He only threw the ball 25 times. He's being uber-efficient the last two weeks. Remember last week, I pointed out he'd only had 30 pass attempts. That's why I wasn't really ready to buy into the idea of Geno Smith yet. But in this game, he has even less, and he's still just as efficient. He gets the job done. We have to start thinking about Geno Smith as a top-end QB2 who's going to be getting streamed and plus matchups more times not as a bottom-end QB1 moving forward. Rashad Penny gets hurt. They call it a fractured tibia. It sounds like he's going to need surgery. I Probably is a season-ending injury. We'll, we'll talk to Brian Scott about it on Wednesday. He'll give us the official lowdown. We might get the report before then, too. But that means it's Kenneth Walker time, baby. So Kenneth Walker had a big 69-yard touchdown and shows you why they liked him, showed you why he's explosive, and showed you why I've been excited about him this entire time. Because unfortunately for Rashad Penny, the injury is seemingly inevitable when it comes to him anyway. Here's what you have to keep in mind, though. With Rashad Penny out and Travis Homer still out, Kenneth Walker, he's going to get the goal line. He's going to get the early down work. But just like in this game, DJ Dallas came in and dominated third downs, dominated two-minute drill. He was the pass-catching back. So now you have to ask yourself, do you buy into the Seattle that we've been seeing, which is a... Seattle that can put up some points and keep games at, le- at the very least interesting and competitive every single week. If you do, then you should have no fear about Kenneth Walker and what he can provide as a fantasy football option. Who does have big play ability because he's that kind of running back. But just keep in mind, his involvement in the passing game is going to be minimal at best. Still not a very good pass blocker. That will be DJ Dallas. So I don't know how much you can expect to get out of him in that territory and was not targeted at all in this game either to kind of just compound that idea. So we'll have to watch that, but looks like it's about to be Kenneth Walker time. As far as the wide receivers, kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, we got to start putting them back in the top 24 group week in and week out, no matter what the matchup is. We talked about Tyler Lockett, but DK Metcalf had a good game here too. Five catches, 88 yards and a touchdown while he was matched up on Marshawn Lattimore. Now the, the play in which he got a touchdown, they did a good job. They motioned him. He got a slot. He was able to get away from Lattimore on that play in particular. But now we have Metcalf having good back-to-back games. We have Lockett, who's on a three-game hot streak right now. 
you're firing these up, you're firing these guys up as top 24 options. They need to be in your lineup. So no longer the boom or bust wide receiver threes that I had them at to really be able to start the season. On the Saints side of the ball, yeah, the Taysom Hill thing is maddening. So when you consider him to be a tight end, this is where he truly does become fantasy relevant because now, like, look, he's going to run these special packages and have his role anytime this offense gets into the red zone. Well, he scores a touchdown. Guess what? That's pretty much all you're looking for out of most of your tight ends out there anyway. I do think... This is something that is very prevalent while Jameis Winston is out. Once Jameis Winston comes back in, they seem to do a lot less of the herky-jerky motion with like pulling the quarterback out, putting Taysom Hill in for a gadget play, or even when they get inside the red zone, they don't seem to they just don't seem to do it as much when Jameis Winston's a quarterback. When Aiden Dalton's back there, I guess they're like, well, you're the backup. You gotta be used to coming in and out whenever we want you to anyway. They don't really seem to care as much. And then Taysom Hill has a bigger role. So as long as Winston's out, I think we truly have to consider that Taysom Hill needs to be a top end ish tight end streaming option. He's still not really a tight end. He doesn't actually line up and catch the ball from that position. But if he's going to have this role within this offense, this is his best game of the season by far, though. So let's not get anything twisted here. However, it can't be ignored that he just gets in the red zone and that they're going to him in those Taysom Hill packages. And that he could do it with his arm or he could do it on the ground. We can't ignore that fact. So because of that, because there's pretty much a loophole here with Taysom Hill when it comes to fantasy football, we have to put him in that conversation. Let's talk about Alvin Kamara getting back on track. He gets 23 carries, goes over 100 yards. And this was my favorite part. Six targets, six receptions, 91 yards. I came in this week saying over and over again, the Andy Dalton thing should payout dividends for Alvin Kamara getting back involved in the passing game, and it did in a big way. I mean, he had a 54-yard off of a screen. They made sure they got the ball to him. This is even before Chris Olave, who unfortunately picks up the concussion injury, does get the touchdown, though, before that happens. But even before Chris Olave got injured, Alvin Kamara was involved in the passing game. So for Andy Dalton people, I mean, for Alvin Kamara people out there, Andy Dalton is your guy. When Jameis Winston gets in there, he just doesn't check the ball down the same way. So we'll have to wait and see exactly when Winston could be coming back and how that might alter our fantasy football formulas moving forward with these players. The Jets win their game 40-17. to Not a surprise when you see that Skylar Thompson in the box score had to be the quarterback for the majority of the game because Teddy Bridger only had one pass attempt before he got injured. Man, the Dolphins are just hurting in a bad way. There wasn't much they were going to be able to do. What I will say, though, is this. Raheem Mostert, he's not, he's not just the lead guy anymore. He is dominating the backfield touches here, especially in the rushing game, but he also got involved a little bit in the pass game. He had three targets this week. Chase Edmonds, I mean, if this game was any indication... He might be behind Miles Gaskin on the depth chart now because he played less snaps than him. Miles Gaskin was more available, was more involved. So I don't know what the hell's going on with Chase Edmonds. He's not picking up the system. He's not something he's not doing something like McDaniel's not liking. Because now it's a real, real question mark that like Raheem Mostert were to get hurt. I don't know that it's Chase Edmonds anymore. Which pretty much means that this is where we're at now with Chase Evans. Prepare to be flushed. <laughs> Bye-bye. There's no reason to own them now. 
because he's not even the handcuff to Raheem Oster. Would he be involved? Yeah, but it might just be a, a two-way committee with him and Miles Gaskin. That's where we're at with Chase Evans. It's it's a really weird situation. But Moser was great in this game. Goes over 100 yards, picks up a rushing touchdown. We know he knows the system really well. There's that comfortability. How long he can stay healthy, who knows? But just enjoy the ride while you got him. And maybe if you are able to, maybe take advantage of some of the bye weeks, some of the running back injury situations, and maybe you're able to package him, him for a player that maybe has less of an injury risk to him. That That's a possibility. But right now, I'm more in line to just kind of ride the ride while he's available because you're going to get pretty good production out of him otherwise. And then Tyreek Hill, there was an injury to him. He was seen in a walking boot after, unfortunately, after the game. Seven catches for 47 yards before that happened. We're going to have to wait and see what his injury is going to be and what that means for everybody else involved, too. Let's talk about the Jets' side of the ball. So, Brees Hall, we talked about him. He had the big game here. But while he had the big game, and this offense is trending back towards being a balanced approach with Brees Hall being the lead back, the receivers are kind of caught in limbo as a result of that. (laughs) All three receivers, nobody had more than four targets. Zach Wilson only threw the ball 21 times. Now, the Jets are going to be in situations more times than not where they're having to come back from behind and have to go a little bit more back and forth. This was probably an anomaly as far as the volume goes, but this is kind of what the Jets would like to be able to do in an ideal situation. And we even saw it last week. Like, Wilson is just, he's not going to throw the ball as much as Joe Flacco was. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And as a result to that, there's just not as much volume for everybody to go around. So now we're left with a situation of, well, we love the talent of Garrett Wilson. We love the talent of Elijah Moore. Well, Corey Davis is still playing as the number one receiver as far as snap counts go. And there's just a a limited capacity for Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson now because the volume is just not necessarily there and the quarterback play isn't necessarily good enough where that's okay. So now the Jets receivers, to me, if you're looking at Wilson, you're looking at Elijah Moore. I'm not dropping these guys. But you can't play them until we start to see Zach Wilson take his next steps. If he does that, they'll be fine eventually in the second half of this season. But until that happens, I think you have to leave them on the bench. That means Tyler Conklin, who you can drop now, by the way. So I was already worried about Conklin last week. And you already kind of saw the dip in production again, going back to the volume. It's not going to be the same. But then this week, just to add salt in the wound, CJ Usama actually played one more snap. At the very least, this looked like it became a 50-50 committee, something they kind of intended, honestly, when they signed both of these guys a significant amount of money in the offseason. That's what we saw here. So Tyler Conklin is not going to be a streaming option for me, at least not heading into next week until we see something different. Well, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcon and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game. So the Falcons' backfield is a mess. Tyler Algier, yes, he led the way. If they have easier matchups, we can maybe talk about him being a flex option. But for all you people out there who went crazy on Caleb Huntley 
And while in the box score, you look, it's like, oh, well, you still got more opportunities than Avery Williams does, who does come away with the touchdown. The stab counts were almost the same. It was Tyler Algier, and then it was pretty much the same between Caleb Huntley and Avery Williams as the pass-catching third down backs. This is not a backfield that I really want to touch or have much of, or at the very least have to depend upon to generate some running back fantasy value for me. It's not where I'm looking, especially not with Patterson out. I don't know if anything really changed with Damian Williams when he comes back. I know some people have talked about him as being like a a nice little stash on your IR right now. We know what Damian Williams is at this point. Do I think he leads the way when he comes back, especially before Cordell Patterson gets back? Sure. But right now, Patterson's the only thing I would have any interest in this backfield moving forward. And I know Drake London had the disappointing game here. He only gets four catches for 35 yards. You still have to continue to play him as a wide receiver too. Okay? You just you just do. I know Marcus Mariota wasn't good. He's progressively gotten worse each week as far as his passing goes. I don't know if they're going to make a switch to Desmond Ritter because, frankly, they stay competitive and under two and three right now. Like They're only one game under 500. So I don't know if a switch is really going to... People have talked about that. I don't know if a switch is going to be coming anytime soon, frankly. So we'll have to wait and see on that point. And I, even if it did with Desmond Ritter, I don't know if that really means it gets any better. Things will be better for Drake London moving forward. He's been really good this season. He's still a wide receiver, too, for you. On the Tampa Bay side, we talked about Leonard Fournette. He proves why there's no reason to fret about Rashad White. Did Rashad White get significant playing time in this game? Yeah, 100%, absolutely. But Leonard Fournette still got more. And like I pointed out in the first segment, he's just a guy who's going to get involved in both the rushing and the receiving game. He's not going to get left out of any one particular part. He's not going to get pigeonholed. As long as that remains true with this offense, Leonard Fournette will continue to be fired up as a low-end RB1 for me. Brady's back, baby. So he didn't like light up as far as touchdowns go, and 21 points for Tampa Bay seems kind of low when you look at a box score of Tom Brady putting up 351 yards passing. But he only had the one passing touchdown. They threw the ball 52 times in this game. That's the second week in a row. In this game, they didn't. it wasn't like last week against Kansas City where they had the throw to kind of keep up. They were in the lead the entire game this week. They didn't have to throw it that much, and they did. So if you held on to Tom Brady, I think you've weathered the storm to this point. As long as these weapons are healthy, he is a top fantasy quarterback option week in and week out. Mike Evans was fine. It was a tough match on paper against A.J. Terrell. Chris Godwin was fine. Six catches, 61 yards. These weren't big games. Both these guys are going to have bigger games, especially when Tom Brady's throwing the ball 52 times. So nothing to really be concerned about there. How about the Washington Commanders and the Tennessee Titans? The Titans did their business on the road in this game. We had uh, Robert Woods. So we we had a lot of talk about him. Look, Traylon Burks was out. You know, we start to look at things like, yeah, you know what? There's room for a wide receiver to get peppered with targets, and that could mean good things for fantasy football options. I had him as a top 36 receiver coming into the game. It was a great matchup against the Washington Commanders. He had eight targets. You're fine with that number, but only four catches For 37 yards, you have a couple of problems here. So Tennessee is like beyond Derrick Henry dependent. And Ryan Tannehill, who used to take shots on play action off of Derrick Henry's ability to run, is keeping everything really close to the line of scrimmage. And he's just not taking shots at all. And because of that, Robert Woods is not catching anything downfield. Everything was like within 5 to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. 
So now you kind of left the situation like, okay, well, even if you get peppered with targets, it really might not mean much as far as production goes. And because he's not a big play guy after the catch, I don't know how much we can expect out of Robert Woods. I think for now, until Traylon Burks comes back, he's probably a guy that's rostered in most leagues. But it's going to take bye weeks and certain situations to actually want to have to play him because you're really looking at a guy who's more of a floor play than a guy who can give you any kind of a ceiling in any particular week. But Derrick Henry was great. I mean, he had 28 carries in this game, went over 100 yards, gets two rushing touchdowns, and still did something in the receiving game for the third week in a row. Didn't get the five targets like he did the last two weeks, but two targets, two catches, 30 yards. Yeah, that's still that's still pretty good there for Derrick Henry. What about the Washington Commanders side of the ball? So my notes for them is, first of all, Brian Robinson did lead the way as the ball carrier in his first week back in a week in which he's supposed to be getting, you know, a snap count. He had nine carries compared to Antonio Gibson's three. J.D. McKissick did not carry the ball at all in this game. But Robinson wasn't involved in the passing game. Antonio Gibson, a little bit, four targets. J.D. McKissick, seven targets in this matchup. Gibson's officially not no man's land where he's going to be a little bit involved in the ground, a little bit involved through the air, but never involved in the money situations, not involved in third down, two minute drill, nothing. That's going to be Brian Robinson, GD McKissick. I said this, Chris, earlier in the week, and I think it's true. I think there's a real chance Gibson may find himself just getting phased out completely once Brian Robinson's really ready to hit the ground running. And then Washington, look, Carson Wentz, I said to everybody, he's a streaming option when he plays against subpar defenses to not just look at what happened against the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys as a role for Carson Wentz sucking. You can predict when it is a good time to play him for fantasy football purposes, and he proved that this week when he went for 359 yards and two touchdowns. He was a good streaming option and next week, he plays Chicago, so he can be a good streaming option then, too. He's just a very matchup-dependent type of quarterback. Let's move on to the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, though. Houston, man, they come away with the win. Jacksonville, like, finally, they're a favorite in a game, and, like, a decent favorite, too, at, like, seven points. People expected him to win this game handedly. And the Texans found a way to stick around, stick around, stick around. And Damian Pierce gets 26 carries in this game. Goes for 99 yards, picks up a touchdown, even gets involved with five targets, out-targeting Rex Burkhead. They want Damian Pierce, for better or for worse, to be the workhorse running back of this team. Now, it's still a pro game script for him, but I don't think it matters anymore. He's the offense. As a result of that, Brandon Cooks, the passing game is, is second fiddle now to the running game. So when you get games like this that are ugly, low scoring, and Houston's in them or even ahead and winning, well, Davis Mills isn't going to throw the ball that much because they don't want him to throw the ball more than he absolutely has to in any given matchup. So when you have low volume like that where like Davis Mills only threw the ball 24 times, it's probably going to be a bad day for the wide receivers. It was for Brandon Cooks here. Brandon Cooks is still the man. I'm not worried about Nico Collins coming in and taking away enough target share where we got to talk about Brandon Cooks being on the bench. He's going to be in my starting lineup. More times than not, he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver. At worst, he's a high-end wide receiver three. He's a guy who belongs in your lives. I'm not worried about that moving forward. But Damian Pierce has to be locked in as an RB2, as a top 20 running back, if he wasn't already, in your lineups every single week. On the Jacksonville side... Look, it just makes me feel like you just can't believe in the Jaguars. 
Like you just can't sit there and think to yourself, like they look good. They look like a legitimate team. Cause the second you do that, they have a Jaguar like game like this, like only putting up six points against a putrid Houston Texan defense. And now you're left holding the bag with all your fantasy football options that you're super excited for. Like if you were trying to stream a Trevor Lawrence who had a bad game or, or hoping for a, a top notch level performance out of James Robinson, who had been really good at this point in the season and had a great matchup here to get back on track after last week. Travis Etienne, because this wound up being a game that was neutral to them losing game script, uh, he played actually a couple more snaps than James Robinson, and he was actually effective with his too. I mean, they both had 10 carries. Travis Etienne had seven yards a carry. I'm not reading into this too much, especially with Travis Etienne. I think the roles are still very, very clear. It's the game script dependent. This was just a situation where pretty much everybody predicted, unfortunately, the wrong game script. And that was the issue here. Marvin Jones, the receiver who goes off, don't read into that. It's still going to be Christian Kirk. It's his offense. This was just probably what's going to be his worst game of the season, along with, you know, Jacksonville's most likely one of their worst games of the year, too. Let's dive into the 49er Carolina game as we get into some of our four o'clock action. 49ers just took care of business. This was never a game. 49ers from the get-go were in control of this matchup, and you knew that was going to be the case because Baker Mayfield is beyond awful. He actually got bad. He got a, a bad injury in this game. He was seen in a walking boot afterwards. So now we're going to have to wait and see what what's his availability going to be next week. He was able to finish this game, so my initial instinct would be to say that he could probably find a way to get back at it next week too. But this is this is what we're talking about. I mean, they have to go all the way down to P.J. Walker. This thing's going to turn into a complete, complete mess. The good news, the silver lining, is that McCaffrey's usage is officially back. This is two weeks in a row now where he was not just the lead rusher, but heavily involved in the pass game. He had 12 targets, seven catches for 50 yards. So you feel great about McCaffrey. If you drafted him, he's back to being what you wanted him to be. We just need him to stay healthy, knock on wood. DJ Moore was targeted the most for wide receivers. So if you want to take that as a silver lining, you can. This is a tough matchup. And I was like, look, I still have him as a wide receiver three because he's DJ Moore heading into the week. I think I had him at 30 on the dot. But if you had another option, if you could go to somebody else, really would it be better if you could. And that's what I kept telling you guys. Four catches, 59 yards. I guess there could be worse things. The important part is that for the second week in a row, he was the top targeted wide receiver. If that continues... It does seem like the last two weeks, Baker's at least figured out they need to get those two guys the ball before anybody else. So there's hope. I'm trying to offer you guys hope on the horizon that DJ Moore might be able to get this thing turned around at least some degree. On the 49ers side of the ball, Jeff Wilson went off, which was kind of predictable in this game when you knew the 49ers were just going to be able to dominate and do what they do, which is run the football. Goes over 120 yards, picks up a rushing touchdown. Even got a little bit involved in the passing game with a catch for 12 yards, something we don't normally see Jeff Wilson do. And this was so bad that even Tevin Coleman got in the end zone, but that's neither here nor there for fantasy football purposes. This is just strange. Outside of, Jeff Wilson is an RB2, by the way, until Elijah Mitchell comes back every single week. Outside of that, though, Debo, he saved his day because he wound up getting a touchdown, but he only had two catches for 20 yards. And he had nine targets. It's not like the volume wasn't there. But again, for the second week in a row, he only had two carries. This is the trend that I think is going to continue. I think they're, look, I said during the season, and I was surprised with the uses we were seeing the first three weeks. After you sign a guy like that to the contract that you had, I don't think you want to keep running him 
primarily as a running back and a receiver second. He's a playmaker. You need him on the field as your explosive player to make the offense go or to give us some pop. That's who Debo is. So you don't want to keep running him in the backfield and get him hurt. So now the last two weeks, we've seen them kind of dial back on that. And I think that as long as they can get away with that, I think that's what they'll do, which means better performances out of Jeff Wilson or Elijah Mitchell once he returns. And I think ultimately it will mean better fantasy stats for Debo Samuel as well. Let's move on, though. Let's move into the Dallas Cowboy and the Los Angeles Ram game. It was my underdog pick of the week and nailed that one. The Cowboys win this game outright 22 to 10. The Rams offense is just it's just terrible. It's just, it's a different week, but the same story. That's literally my note. It's a different week, but the same story. Cooper Cup is awesome. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown, 10 targets. Tyler Higby is getting targeted at a ridiculous rate, especially amongst tight ends. He gets 10 targets in this game, seven catches for 46 yards. Doesn't do much with those 10 targets, but still gives you the floor, especially in PPR leagues. And then there was everybody else. Ben Skoronek, out-targeted Allen Robinson, outperformed performed Alec Robinson. Like it, it, Cam Akers was awful. Darrell Henderson was barely involved. Matt Stafford, he actually went over 300 yards in this game, but he wasn't good either. Until they figure out something along that offensive line, the Rams, when they find themselves in matchups against teams like the Cowboys, like the 49ers who have good defensive fronts and can play physical, they're going to get bullied. Plain and simple. The Rams are getting bullied the last two weeks, and that's going to continue to happen when they have matchups like this. On the Dallas side of the ball, they just went full run in this game, which was surprising. Cooper Rush, I mean, they didn't have to push the issue, so that's part of it, but Cooper Rush had 16 pass attempts. That was it. So that led to CeeDee Lamb having kind of a mediocre day and Zico Elliott getting 22 carries. He looked fine, by the way. Like, he doesn't look great. He's not explosive anymore, but he's a guy that, like, look, if you're going to give him that kind of volume, he's fine as a flex play. I still don't want to bring him into RB2. It's just such a limited ceiling, but he still has to be considered a guy that you can play in your lineups. Tony Pollard had the big fantasy day. If you played him, I still don't trust the usage. Neither guy, and again, they don't, Cooper Rush only threw the ball 16 times, but neither guy was involved in the passing game. And Pollard still only had eight carries compared to Ezekiel Elliott's 22. Now, he took 157 yards to the house, so it looks great from a fantasy standpoint, but it's not the type of thing you can count on moving forward. So it's still Ezekiel Elliott you can play, Pollard's a guy that you're swinging for the fences and nothing else. Let's dive into our last matchup for tonight, though, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Eagles remain undefeated, and they win this game 20-17. to Jalen Hurts, even though he doesn't throw through the air for a touchdown, he does pick up two on the ground. We talked about him. Just tremendous. And the, the question I found my, myself asking this game is that, is there really a gap from a fantasy standpoint, by the end of the year, is there really going to be much of a gap between A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith? Better days are ahead for Brown. Don't, don't take this as like I'm panicking or I'm worried that his ceiling is just not that high. But I will say there's a more of a gap, I believe, between his ceiling and floor because Devonta Smith can have these games where he takes over too. He was the number one receiver today. Not just in targets, not just in receptions, but he outplayed A.J. Brown in snaps by a pretty significant margin. Had 87 yards, didn't you have a huge day where he lit it up? Like I said, A.J. Brown, while it was very disappointing, three catches, 32 yards, 
better days are definitely ahead for him. And if you can buy low on a guy like that, please go ahead and do so if you can. But I do find myself asking the question, is there going to be much of a gap between A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith? Because this offense is is so well built around just getting their guys the ball that they do a good job now of getting both Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown involved on a week-in, week-out basis. Or if one gets left out the week before, the other one is sure to have a good week the following week. I don't know if there's going to be a huge difference between these two guys. And that's just that's just a kind of that's not like an insult towards AJ Brown or AJ Brown owners should feel bad about that. That's just that's more of a, a, a praise for the people who took Devonta Smith because I think you got more than your bargain for, and I don't think it goes away. And it was nice to see Dallas Goddard be able to get involved with these guys too at a pretty high clip. Which brings me to my next point of play your tight ends against the Arizona Cardinals. They're back to being a completely awful team against tight ends. So if you if there's a tight end who's half decent and is involved in the passing game and they're playing the Arizona Cardinals, find a reason to get them into your lineup pretty much. That, that's pretty much what that boils down to. On the Arizona side, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, he's got a very, very safe floor for at least one more week. We got to see what happens when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. There still does not seem to be a lot of continuity on this offense for the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm a little bit concerned what happens when Hopkins comes back and now we got to reorganize the whole rotation. But at least the usage of Marquise Brown and Rondale Moore and what was a very tough match because the Philadelphia Eagles was a lot better. The play calling was better. They were competitive in this game. I know they only put up 17 points, but Rondale Moore got involved too. He had seven catches or 68 yards. AJ Green came back and instead of so instead of playing Greg Dorch, Rondo Moore actually played more slot. AJ Green stayed to the outside just to be that perimeter guy. Marquise Brown was in there. And when we see DeAndre Hopkins comes back, he'll obviously fill in for AJ Green at, at a much higher clip. But that's the rotation it's going to be, which means now Rondo Moore is back on my radar moving forward. Somebody who I probably will have in my waiver saviors because if he gets to be the slot receiver of this offense. That's where he needs to be. That's where he can make plays. And that's where we can kind of buy into a guy like that. But again, I'm not Marquise Brown's going to be somebody you play every week, no matter what, but I'm not getting overly excited about anyone because Deandre Hopkins will be back week seven. And we might have to reshuffle the deck again. Once that happens, that's going to do it for the show. Oh, I'm sorry. One last note for the Arizona Cardinals. James Conner picks up a rib injury and then Darrell Williams who I kept saying the whole time was his handcuff. If he does get injured, he winds up going down with a knee injury and wound up leaving. And Jonathan Ward, I believe, actually went out with an injury at some point in this game, too, if I remember correctly. So that meant that Eno Benjamin at one point was like the last and only running back left active for the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to have to wait and see if both James Conner and Darrell Williams are looking like they could miss in week six. Eno Benjamin is a number one priority because he's going to be a plug-and-play guy off that waiver wire. He is still less than 50% owned in the majority of leagues out there. So something to kind of keep in mind there. Now that is going to do it for today's show. Make sure you tune back in tomorrow night for the primetime recap. The heroes and zeros are right and wrong calls. And the waiver saviors heading into week six. And of course, Wednesday through Friday, we'll be back at 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube as well. So subscribe. Download your favorite podcast app and download the Foxy Network on your apps, on your LG, Roku, Samsung, and Amazon Fire TV devices to catch all of our episodes. Guys, until then, take care, and we'll see you tomorrow night. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.